0: Morning, everybody. Uh, As Brooks said, um, we believe that God, even before the beginning of time, uh, has been telling a story. And our lives, our stories, exist within God's larger story. Um, And as we come to know God's story, as we come to know our own story, come to know the stories of people around us, we grow. Uh, So that's why we have been doing this for several years now across all of our campuses this morning. We have people standing up, introducing folks who are being brave and stepping to the front and sharing their lives. Uh, and we'll be doing so over these next three weeks. So it gives me, uh, I'm really honored. It gives me great pleasure to introduce Jordan to all of you this morning. And many of you know Jordan. He's been around Orchard Hill for, what do we say, seven years? About seven years. Yeah, which mm-hmm. is really exciting. And you've seen a lot of things happened at Orchard Hill during during that time. And God has been work in your life, uh, which you're going to share with us here in a minute. Um, I really wish we had been joking about this that I had the, the, the little theme song chime from Law and Order. Uh, yes. And we could play that right now uh, because Jordan is a county prosecutor down in Marshalltown. Dun. dun. And uh, <laughs> Hard worker, but more than that, he, uh, he loves Jesus. And he's going to be sharing with you how Jesus' story, God's story, has been intersecting with his life story. So thanks, Jordan. Thank you, Doug. Yeah, You're welcome.
1: Well, good morning. First of all, I want to say it's an honor to get to speak in front of every one of you today. Isaiah chapter 1, Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 through 2 read, That the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come, and with it the day of God's anger against their enemies." Chili was what my mom had had for dinner on January 25th of 1984 and over the next few hours she experienced indigestion, or so she thought. After she realized what was really happening and arrived at the hospital, I was born in a matter of minutes. I was the second child of Steve and Nancy Gaffney of Waterloo, Iowa, and I had a big sister missing. While I was young, I thought my family was perfect and permanent, but looking back there were a lot of warning signs. My dad ran the household like his dad, a Korean War veteran. Everything he said was a command. There was little room for others to be anyone other than who he wanted them to be. He hadn't wanted children. He even dictated McDonald's orders. It would be several years in my life before a cheeseburger at McDonald's became a possibility. Mom coped with this by dutifully cleaning everything in the house over and over, and she chewed solid ice cubes from the freezer. Missy coped by being like Dad. My coping mechanism was to get outside and play with the neighborhood kids. I cherished the memories that we made. On a summer evening when I was four and he was three, Sam Wolf and I played Demolition Derby with our tricycle big wheels, he on his and me on my sister's big bird big wheel. My sister's front tire got destroyed, Sam won, and a friendship that continues to this day was begun. God knew what he was doing when he made the two of us neighbors. Um, And together after that, we were responsible for running every game and activity and shenanigan in the neighborhood. We attended a church that was mired in the past. The carpets and chairs were in orange-brown shade, straight out of the late 60s and early 70s, and the worship was stagnant and dormant. I don't recall having any major experiences with Jesus while I was there, but I do recall getting my foundation in Christ and Christianity, having fun with the other kids, serving God by serving the church, and reading the Bible with Dad. You had to have fun when you went to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. It was a lot of church, and it was intense church. Nowadays, my mom, sister, and I can joke about some of it, but back then, there was a lot of pressure to be perfect and live a perfect life. That pressure would come to a head in mom and dad's marriage eventually. Early in my school years, I learned about loss and responsibility. My uncle died in a lawn mowing accident on our family farm. In the second grade, my grandfather got sick around Christmas. About a month later, he died, and I shared my birthday with his funeral. These events marked the beginning of the end of life as I knew it. Mom and dad divorced in third grade. Their fighting grew intense. Marriage counseling at church hadn't gone well. Mom wanted more out of life and more out of marriage And Dad wouldn't compromise. He focused his anger on a church member who had tried to help and started moving out. He showed up on Christmas with my Uncle John to get the rest of his stuff. I'll never forget the way he yelled at Uncle John. He wouldn't even talk to me. I realized that Christmas that I was fatherless. Everything was in flux after that. With too many painful memories and experiences, Mom brought us to a new church, Nazareth Lutheran Church in Cedar Falls. It was bigger and had a lot more kids, and a lot more kids' ministry. And we have the picture of me with Dad when we were younger. Um, Missy, who by this time was a teenager and had been very close with Dad, reeled. Once it was time to come inside from having fun outside with Sam, I had to walk on eggshells because I never knew what was going to happen with Missy. She didn't make good decisions. She was sapping mom's energy and time, and dad was not involved. I spent more time with Sam and Sam's parents, Steve and Kathy. Steve and Kathy Wolf loved me as their own, and they gave me a foundation through this period that I otherwise did not have. They shared their faith with me, And I did not completely forget about Jesus. For a while, Dad was an every-other-weekend kind of Dad. He sent cards and money for holidays, but did not come for concerts, games, my wedding, or anything until, years later, my son's funeral. Missy stayed at his place once, but never again. I continued for a while. He still cared about our faith, but I saw that he didn't live what we talked about in church. In the summer between 4th grade and 5th grade, we took a vacation to Des Moines. Um, I got sick, I caught a stomach bug, we caught the vacation short, Dad brought me home, and that was the last time that I stayed with him. Things changed a lot over the next few years. Mom started dating and went back to school. Missy got her driver's license, Sam and I were busy running capture-the-flag games and water balloon fights. I played basketball and my favorite, baseball. There's something magical about baseball. Mom dated a man who treated us well and had kids to play with, so I didn't mind her dating. I did mind when she was gone with her singles group at nights because it meant being alone with Missy and her friends, some of whom were not good influences on her. Comic books were my refuge. Reading and drawing my own, I shut myself up in my room at night and away from everybody else. Some friends eventually set up a blind date for mom with Tom. Tom is a sign fabricator and has two kids, Chad and Erica. Their first few dates went well, and we got to know Tom. Tom is very different from dad. He's flexible, fun, and gentle. Tom taught me how to be a man. I love, admire, and respect him. He is my dad. We have a great picture of the whole family right there. Mom and Tom married, and we moved to Laporte shortly after. I finished the year at Cedar Falls and went out for baseball to get to know some of the guys. Coming into a small town school as a teenager was tough. Most of the guys there had already known each other for years, and already had friendships that had been going on for years. I was too nervous about being the new kid to be comfortable and play well on the baseball field. That didn't help me make friends. That was the first time I ever had trouble making friends. High school was just okay. Eventually, I gave up athletics in pursuit of art. I'm a pretty good artist and once considered attending art school. We attended a church in La Porte, which was old-fashioned and stagnant, And Jesus was not coming alive for me. It was at Iwalu summer camp where I would truly experience Jesus. His love, grace, and goodness was inviting. And I wanted to know him more. I even started reading my Bible after getting home from camp. But church for our family was more of a Sunday morning only kind of thing. And it was hard to engage faith with the scars dad had left behind. We didn't discuss God or get active in our church. My faith stalled, and I eventually decided that having faith was just not logical. Church was something for Sundays. Faith was something that Dad had that he didn't actually believe in or follow. Junior year, a friend got me a job at a McDonald's restaurant in Cedar Falls. The commute from Laporte was worth it. Over the next several years, I would have many friends, and girlfriends, all because of that job. Being a middle kid in our family, I was the practical joker with friends, and this was the perfect environment to be a practical joker, much to the dismay of my supervisors. I enrolled at UNI where I eventually switched majors from business to English and literature. At McDonald's, I met Amy and we started dating. What followed would be lots of highs and lows. Challenges met and challenges failed. I was never ready for serious dating. Amy was active in high school ministry. She even had Bible verses taped to the dash of her car. I wasn't sure what I believed, and I wasn't shy about sharing my doubts. It wasn't long before I discovered that she too was not sure what she believed. Without either of us really knowing who we were, we' made poor choices together, we would leave each other hurt in ways that still linger, and we really put our families through the ringer. Toward the end of you and I, I realized I had to get a job, and a non-teaching English degree was not going to cut it. Law enforcement was a passion. A friend and I got serious about pursuing law enforcement, and my family encouraged me to consider law school. I took the LSAT, graduated from I, broke up with Amy, and then learned that she was pregnant. The next few months were marked by fear, anxiety, and changes. I didn't know if the baby was mine, and I didn't want to be involved if the baby was not. I followed some bad advice on how to move forward, and I continued to regret that decision. I didn't ask God for help. I gave in to fear when I should have had courage. This is what happens when you don't have a relationship with Jesus. I started Drake Law School in the fall of 2007. Not sure where my life was going. Brooklyn was born on October 17 of 2007. And she's a little bit older in this picture, but just as sweet. I love that picture. Although things weren't going well between us, I went up to the hospital to be supportive because I would regret not being there if she was my child. The labor process ran long. Amy didn't have the baby while I was there. There was an assignment at law school that required me to be personally present or fail the course. There were no exceptions. Co-parenting in different cities amidst animosity was the most challenging experience of my life. The stress of that, compounded with the stress of first-year law school, was immense. I gave up trying to do it all on my own and turned to the one thing I knew could help, Jesus. Before going to visit Brooklyn on one occasion, I stopped and sat in the back of a church in Des Moines that was near Drake. It was the first time I went to church because I wanted to experience Jesus. A friend of mine would eventually take me to Lutheran Church of Hope in West Des Moines where my roots in faith would grow and where I picked up the Bible that I would eventually read cover to cover. Through lots of arguments and awkwardness, Amy and I made arrangements for Brooklyn, splitting weekends and holidays. Having my baby girl overnight was the most powerful experience of my life up to that date and I wept after bringing her home for the first time. There were lots of times after bringing her home that I would cry, but Brooklyn is worth it. She is now nine years old, she is a joy and a treasure, and her mom and I are in a much better place now. In the spring of 2009, I met Tanya. We shared a pizza and hit it off. Tanya was teaching in Des Moines, I was a single father, Her stepfather, Pat, had come into her life when she was very young. And when she was thinking about whether or not to date a single dad, his love and influence was a strong influence on her. Tanya is an incredibly loving, kind, and practical person. She loves Brooklyn as her own, and so has her family. With her parents' blessing, we married on September 4, 2011. She is the love of my life, my best source for wisdom, and my partner in faith. During our engagement, there remained a lot of uncertainty. Nobody was hiring, and I was going to graduate in a lousy economy with a mountain of student loan debt and no job. We moved to Waterloo to be closer to Brooklyn, and Tanya took on a teaching position in Waterloo that she would eventually loathe not because of the students or the teachers, but because of an unsupportive administrator. I passed the bar exam, and by the grace and the goodwill of God, got a job at the Marshall County Attorney's Office within a month, prosecuting simple misdemeanors and eventually moving on to other dockets. I believe that God's hand was at work in opening up this opportunity and allowing me to flourish as a prosecutor even on the tough days. We tried different churches, eventually arriving at Orchard Hill, and Orchard was where we felt most at home. We both ended up with jobs in Marshalltown and relocated here to Grundy Center, attending church at the theater. I joined the Wednesday night men's group, where I really became devoted to Jesus and his calling for me. There's nothing like the men's group in Grundy. It has had a profound impact on me and on my relationship with Jesus. Any man who hasn't tried it truly should. In the spring of 2014, Tanya and I became pregnant. We learned that the baby was a boy at a gender reveal party. And we lost Cameron James to a stillbirth a few days later. The loss was devastating, especially for Tanya. Throughout the next year, the work of being a husband, father, and a person would prove to be tremendously difficult. There were reminders everywhere of losing Cameron. And most people had no idea how difficult it was over that year because we often hid our pain. After all, nobody wants to hang out with the depressing dead baby people. With God's help, we found solace and companionship in the compassionate friends a group where people who've lost children can share and connect. They hold a near and dear place in our hearts. In the late summer of 2015, Tanya surprised me by leaving a pregnancy test in the bathroom. I asked, Did you pee on this? (laughs) Of course she had. And Declan Allen Gaffney was born April 11, 2016 to a loving family that cherishes him. We relived a lot of the same fears and experiences that we had with Cameron's birth. Uh, During contractions, Declan's heart decelerated, and the doctors performed an emergency C-section. I will never forget the look on Dr. McCarville's face, same doctor who had delivered Cameron, when he looked at the nurse and told her to prep for the procedure. It was more anxiety than fear, but it made me afraid. I prayed for protection in the minutes that followed, Jesus answered my prayers. In the fall of 2015, our world was shaken again. Tanya's stepdad, a mason, had been working on a chimney at a construction site, 35 feet up in the air. When one of the wood planks on the scaffolding broke, he fell to his death. I was at work when the Wapello County Sheriff's Office called. Tanya had the car, and my boss rushed me over to school to get her. Tani's first instinct was to worry that something had happened to Declan. Her screams and her cries of anguish have scarred my heart. But the goodness and impact of her dad, Pat Riley, cannot be understated. He belongs in the Christianity Hall of Fame. Over the last years of his life, Pat had come to follow the Holy Spirit so closely and obediently that it would lead him to openly share with joy that he is ready to go whenever Jesus is ready to take him. Pat would hand out a $100 bill to a stranger as Jesus led him. He would drop everything and pray with you and for you. He devoted himself to studying the Bible and learning about Christ. He let Jesus be the center of each and every relationship in his life. Pat was with us nearly every time. We served as picnic-in-the-park chuck wagon masters. He loved ministry. Although he's in heaven now, he's not here. He was Tanya's dad, my mentor in faith, and Brooklyn's favorite grandparent. We're still waiting for God's plan and all that to unfold. I feel too young to know loss the way I do, but I know it nonetheless. Loss hurts when Satan strikes, but... Uncle Kenny, Grandpa Herman, Pat, and Cameron are in heaven with Jesus. So, for the grave, there has been no victory. I am determined to be the husband and father that Jesus calls me to be, and I am resolved to keep my faith active and vibrant so that I and those whom I love don't experience Jesus the way I did for so long as Stagnant, dormant, and unreachable. I try to share my love with Dad, who's grown to take a more regular role in my life. He, when fathers come and go, and they aren't perfect, but I have an eternal Father in heaven. He is the one constant in our lives, the one constant we cannot lose. God is the Father who is my shield and the lamp at my feet. He's my teacher my companion, my king, and my Lord and Savior. I'm his son. I'm loved, and I know that he's not done with me yet. So I wake up each and every morning with a father who loves me and is ready to carry my burden for me. Like the prophet Samuel, all he asks of me every morning is that I fill my horn with oil and go. Thank you.
0: As I've been reading through your story these last days, even the last couple weeks, and then listening to you this morning, I just have such a, a, a strong picture of even at an early age, God being determined to show you that faith in Jesus was not stale, was not dormant, was not stagnant, and that following Jesus was the best thing. And the best way to live. And that as you slowly, through your experiences, climbed onto the rock to stand, um, Jesus was there to give you more and more so you could weather these storms that came through your life. And you're right. You're way too young to experience some of the losses that you have. But what a powerful testimony that you have today. And the song that we sang... The Last song we sang, "Good Good Father," uh, almost seems like it could be a, you know, a, a theme song for you in your life. That you are able to say today that God is a good, good father, and that's the model for your life. So, thanks for being vulnerable. Thanks for being honest. Thanks for sharing your story with us this morning. Um, I'm going to say a prayer. Let's let's pray together. God, thank You. Thank You for how You have worked in Jordan's life. And thank You that we could hear that story this morning. a story of love, a story of grace. A powerful story of, in many ways, you coming into a life, into a family, Introducing yourself, for that family, for this, this man to have an encounter with you and, and that is very real and life-changing. People wonder, uh, are lives changing today as people come to know Jesus? Absolutely, I believe that. And maybe even this morning in this room, there's somebody here who's listened to what Jordan has shared and said, You yeah, maybe maybe there's something there. Maybe God's pursuing me. Maybe God wants me to know that He's good and He's available and that He's here now. Somebody I can trust. Somebody I can follow. God, you've given each of us a story. Our stories don't stand alone. They intersect with each other. And they are your story too. So God, thanks for being Being for us, God, thank you for being with us. And now accept our worship. And we pray this in Jesus' name.